This is it, Romans chapter 12. First of all, Zach Abel. Stand up, please. Jesse Saraski, would you stand up, please, as well? Jesse has been our video person in Kingdom Builders videos all summer long. She's heading back to Minneapolis because she's a backslider, and, and she hides her sin better. In a, in a, no, she, we wanted to, how many of us want Jesse to move here and stay here? Okay, good. But what's neat is Zach Abel is now the first student. You have ever heard of FCMA, the Freedom Center Ministry Academy. We now have the FCCA, the Freedom Center Creative Academy, one preparing people for ministry and one preparing people for industry. And so that video you just saw was not made by the expert, but by her Padawan learner. And how many of you guys noticed any difference at all, right? How many of you guys thought that video was awesome? Yeah, good. All right. You can be seated. Let's get into Romans. You ready? Part 12. Here we go. So, so in Romans, guys, we've had this this journey, um, and it's shocking, the stuff we've talked about, if you think about it. In church, we talked about creation versus evolution. We talked about homosexuality, bisexuality, um, cross-dressing. We talked about sexual sin. Like we, in the, we talked about politics. We talked about adoption. We've talked about culture. And, and here's the thing that I think is most amazing. We talked about God, the purpose of life, the secret of life. Um, we talked about security versus fear. I mean, this whole thing, and what I find so incredible about this topic is the book we're studying was a letter written 2,000 years ago, and it's addressing the headlines of our nation today. I got to tell you something about God's Word. Never take it lightly like it's an antiquated Hebrew fairy tale. The Bible speaks to your situation and your circumstances and your world ever since it was written till the day that this earth ends. Not one jot, not one tittle, uh, Jesus says, will pass away from the word of God. This is something that we're going to be enjoying, and it's a great advantage in life. Again, in marriage, in business, in friendships, in society, in churches, amongst atheists, the Bible speaks the truth from a wise God who gives it to us graciously. So it's, it's amazing. This, uh, we're going to wrap up the summer series, and so far, uh, we've been lost. I mean, good and lost. Remember, remember day one, there's some bad people, chapter two, you suck too. Remember that, that series, that sermon, right? By the time we get to chapter three, everybody's lost. Chapters four through six, we're found by the grace of God. He points out to creation, points out to Abraham. We're rescued from ourselves, chapter seven. He talks about our adoption, the security and identity that comes from not just being a tolerated slave in a household, but being an adopted, loved child and made an heir of the household business. How many of you guys are glad you've inherited the kingdom of God, right? Now, the kingdom's at war, but you've inherited the kingdom of God. You're no longer a child of a temporary world. By the time we get to chapter 11, we've been reconciled. 12, we're being challenged to be transformed, the ongoing process of the renewing of our mind and our, our knowledge uh, of this whole thing, I think has grown. Here's a final exam. You ready? When you see the word therefore, what question should you always ask? What's the therefore, therefore, right? When, when you see the word justified, what does the word justified mean? I justified, never sinned. I just, I feel like Mr. Rogers. I like it when you say that. I just do. <laughs> so now it begs the last question, which Paul's going to deal with in the last several chapters. The last chapter is like, say hi to Bubba, you know, hey to Goober. You know what I mean? They're talking to people. But, um, but here we go. The question we've got to answer now is, now what? So I, I've been lost. I've been found. I've been rescued. I've been adopted. I'm an heir. I've been reconciled. I'm being transformed. Now what? Now, our knowledge of the gospel of Jesus Christ must not only lead us out of sin. How many of you guys know any Christianity that stops with out of is temporary? 
You were not created to be led out of Egypt into a wilderness where you stay for the rest of your life. Those who die in the wilderness die because of unbelief and disobedience. We, that's not our destiny. That's not God's will for our life, right? So he's going to lead us out of darkness, but he's going to lead us into, he's going to lead us out of death, and he's going to lead us into, he's going to lead us out of bondage, and he's going to lead us into Freedom Center. Yeah, so, and the reason for this is because there, there really is a fight to be fought. There's a battle to be won. There's a power to be harnessed. There's an enemy to be defeated. If you thought Christianity was this passive, wonderful, rosy, crocheting group, you're wrong, man. We are supposed to be like bloodthirsty warriors kicking the devil's butt from here to Schenectady and out into the Atlantic Ocean. We're taking back ground that was lost by our forefathers. We're establishing God's kingdom on earth as it is. Come on. In heaven. So well, we, we have this, this battle commission. And I'll say this to you. Consider the statement. Any gospel, small g, that stops at morality will become unsatisfying in time because we were created to do more than simply behave ourselves. You're created to be rowdy. Not, not here, not now. But I'm saying, man, I, I used to preach a sermon called Risk Takers, Earth Shakers, and Holy Ghost Troublemakers. Yeah, isn't that just fun? How many just want to get that in like Latin and tattoo it on your arm? Risk-takers, earth-shakers, and Holy Ghost troublemakers. Those are all quotes from people that were talking to people that love God and saying, You're, you shouldn't do this. It's too big of a risk. It's, you know, hey, literally in, in Acts chapter 16, the ground shakes because of their faith and following Jesus where he goes led them to hardship, but Jesus delivers them. Didn't, didn't you know, all of a sudden the pain disappear? There was a lot of pain, but, but the glory that came in that jail cell and this, the jailer's family being saved and a church being established in Philippi came out of that enduring pain. I'm, I'm just saying this. Like, we are risk-takers earth shakers and holy ghost troublemakers so if you're just stopping at being polite you're wrong you've missed you've maybe come out of and your sins are forgiven you're going to heaven but come on man let's do some damage here on earth while we're done while we're, while we're still living amen so we're, we're here to feed people we're here to love people that that would rather gargle razor blades and lemon juice than let you be nice to them we are here to engage a culture that that thinks that what we believe is passe and antiquated and religious we're here to prove the doubters wrong we're, we're here to establish the kingdom the domain of the king from heaven onto earth i mean we have this substantial beautiful co-mission with christ and that's what we're living with right so we're to change the world Amen. Come on, you're acting like the second service. Don't tell them I said that. Although I just said that publicly on video. The second service last week, but this week's going to be awesome, right? Listen, we literally have a destiny. Uh, Ephesians 2.10, off my notes, but hear my heart. We are God's workmanship, and we're created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. And what that means is this. Get the chronology of the statement. Before there was a you, there was a work that you would encounter and be the answer to the question the solution to the problem. So if you thought Christianity was about don't cuss, don't chew, and don't run with girls that do, like, no, no, absolutely wrong. <laughs> what we're supposed to be doing is not trying to tame our flesh. We're supposed to be releasing the lion of the tribe of Judah. That there's a big difference. And so I, I found a lot of men, like, get to a certain place of morality, and they're like, is this all Christianity is? It's like, no. Oh, I'm a nice person now. I'm, I'm polite to my wife. I don't beat my kids nearly as much as I used to. I work hard. I pay my taxes. Is this Christianity? It's like, this is, this is the out of. No longer being selfish. No longer being unloving. But how many of you guys know there's so much more than not doing the don'ts? There's this line we cross where we begin to do the do's. 
of the gospel. And so this is where Paul's going to lead us. We're to change the world through things like this. We're to value unity above uniformity. Now, now as believers in Jesus Christ, I don't know why this is. I, don't, I, I have no understanding of the etymology of this error. But, I, but I, it's weird. When I first came to Jesus, like we were driving. Remember, babe, we were driving down to Orlando for general counsel. And about Georgia, we started seeing assemblies of God pastors. Now, how do we know there are assemblies of God pastors? They were old. They were fat. What are you looking at? They had a, a broomstick hung between the two door handles in the back of their either Crown Victoria or LTD. And there were suits and dresses hanging on it so they wouldn't get wrinkled. Now, they couldn't see anything coming up behind them until it was in their trunk. But they literally had a wardrobe of dress shirts and ties and suit coats and pants, and it was all lined up. And about George, we're like, we're going to see him again this week, aren't we? And sure enough, we'd drive by, and there'd be, a, you know, there'd be the hair that was combed from the right ear to the left ear. Because I'm not bald, I'm just creative. You know? And when we got down there, it was so weird because everybody looked alike. Can I tell you something? I am grateful that, that when people used to come up to me and they'd say, what do you do for a living? Oh, you know, da, da, da. Oh, well, well, I'm a pastor. Oh, really? You don't look like a pastor. I go, yes. <laughs> now, the older and fatter I get, they're like, oh, I thought you were. It's like, oh, darn it. What do I do about that, you know? But the followers of Jesus are going to look different from one another. Listen, isn't it terrible? You ever been to, like, homeschool day at Six Flags? J.D. has. <laughs> You've never seen so many denim skirts in your life. You've never seen so many. Are you, they're the long, like, are you bailing hay? What do you, what do you? I went, we went skiing one time. We're skiing. And they're wearing denim skirts. And I just thought, never mind, I'll move on. We're supposed to look different from one another. The homogeny of Christianity should be obliterated by the variety of children that God has in his family. We're supposed to act differently in some ways. When people say, you know, your sermons are a little, uh, they're not quite, you know, my last pastor's like, good, because I was a clone from the last guy. One of us is irrelevant. I think weird people attract weird people. And I think everybody's a weird person when you compare everybody to everybody, right? They act differently. They, they might even believe some things differently in the body of Christ. I'm not negotiating away things like the inerrancy of the Word of God or the, the virgin birth or the resurrection, the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm not saying they believe, but I'm saying sometimes people act and believe. They serve differently. They live differently. How many of us know there's, a, there's enough grace in Jesus to cover a lot of people? that are really different, right? So what Paul is saying here in, in Romans chapter 12, look at this. He says, for by the grace, now this is grace, and it's a gift. This is the, the charis, the, the, the joyfulness, the, the empowerment. By the grace given me, I say to every one of you, don't think of yourselves like you're all that in a bag of chips, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment. Like the things you can do, you do by the grace of God, but the person you are should be a humbling thing. Like when you realize you get to do this, <laughs> when, I, when I realize that I, the me that I know, get to do this, the you that you know, the me that I know is humbled by that. Does that make sense? Way too much sense for where I'm standing, but maybe not to you, right? So think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith, that, that ability to trust God, that God gave to you. You didn't, you didn't develop that. You didn't stir that up. Like, that's a gift from God, too. For just as each of us has one body, and that body's got fingers and toes and eyes and ears, and all these members don't have the same function, so in Christ, 
We, though many, form one body. And look at this. Each member in this body, regardless of the gift they've been given, the faith that they have, they belong to each other. What I have from God belongs to you. And what you have from God belongs to me. And what we have from God belongs to each other. Does that make sense? So everyone is dependent on everyone in the body of Christ. I, I was at a, a pastor's thing. They asked me to be, sit on a panel discussion for one of the sessions and, so people can ask questions. And how'd you do this? And what do you think about that? And mostly I just said, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I called Dina. Here's her cell phone number. I don't know. I talked to Pastor Carl. I'm sure there's a manifesto somewhere that he's written that has an answer to that question. But this one really came to me. It was a guy that had a ministry down on the Cass Corridor down by Wayne State, and a bunch of people living uh, that were homeless down there. It was wintertime, and he said, I got a real problem. I, I've been doing this for about three years now, and I, I bring the wood, and I bring the burn barrel, and I bring sandwiches and hot coffee and hot chocolate. And we just gather around that burn barrel. I just talk to them. I just love on them. I, I know them by name. I know their stories. I've sat till 3 o'clock in the morning shivering in the cold until they were done getting it out. And then I, I said, I feel so bad every time I get in the car and go home. He said, but I needed help. So I started asking people from my church, would you come down and help me? He says, the worst thing I've ever done. You know, this guy shows up and he says, well, you're, you're feeding them and you're, you're bringing the burn barrel and the wood and the sandwiches and the hot chocolate, but you're not leading them to Jesus. Like, what is the purpose of loving these people if not preaching the gospel to them? He said that another guy came and said, you know, I, he preaches the gospel, but what good is preaching the gospel if no one's going to disciple them? They're going to write back to the, the lives that they had. I mean, they're starting from a place. Another guy says, you know what? If this even begins to work, what I want to do is, is have a chain of these all over the cast corridor, and if it works in Detroit, man, it can work anywhere. We'll move to L.A. We'll, we'll have New York, you know, the summer all taken care of. It's going to be awesome. And the last guy goes, you know what? Without the word of the Lord being prophesied, how will, the, how will the, the secrets of their heart be laid bare that they can even repent? He goes, I'm so sick of the people helping me, I don't want to even go anymore. And so this is what I told him. I'll tell you the same thing. And watch how this interconnects with you. What happened was a pastor said, I just want to love them. I'll love them to God. I'll feed them to God. I'll clothe them to God. I'll burn barrel them to God. But my heart breaks for them. I need to be with their, my congregation. I love them. And an evangelist came and said, with his gifting, from his perspective, what good is that if they don't know Jesus and they're going to hell? They're, they're well-fed, fat people going to hell. So his gifts demanded what God gave to him, the charisma. Are you still here? The gift, the, guy, the grace that was on his life, the faith that was in him was to lead them to Jesus. But instead of completing, they were competing. One didn't value the other. Now, bring in the prophet. Prophets make messes, and they clean them up, and they make more, they tear things down, they build them back up. They foretell and foretell the will and counsel of God. So that goes contradictory to a pastor's plan, which it often does. There's issues. So he's prophesying, like, hey, do you mind? I'm preaching the gospel. Do you mind? I just want to love them. And they're a little freaked out when you start telling them about their mother's maiden name. And then the teacher comes and says, well, you know, the hermeneutics of Luke and historiography dictate that we eschatologize, like, what? And, and instead of saying, listen, you love them, I'll lead them to Jesus, you disciple them, I'll prophesy, and we'll establish as an apostle these things all over the world, they got into a big fight every Friday night and nobody wanted to go anymore. Now, that's one situation, but what's yours? God has put people in your life that love Jesus that you are having a hard time loving. And sometimes what it is, is that we, we want uniformity. Let everybody be a pastor. Everybody needs to be a life group leader. Everybody needs to lead this way. No, no, we're not going to allow this. No, no, we, we minimize that. No, our group's really focused on. No, no, my, my home. No, no, my ministry, my business. And what we're doing is we're limiting what God wants to do because all we want done is what we value. And perhaps there's a God who wants to do more than what one person can do. 
So unity over uniformity. We're not homogenized milk. All the creams removed. All the middles removed. We're just white water. We're skim milk. That's what we serve here at the Freedom Center. That's what, that's what we serve to our customers at McDonald's. That's what we skim, yeah, skim milk at McDonald's. Yeah. You ever see the guy that orders like a Big Mac, large fry, you know, and, and a, an apple pie and a Diet Coke? That's that guy, right? A Diet Coke, like it counteracts stuff, you know? So listen, differences are, are to complete the vision, the ministry, the, the, what people need. Somebody turn on the air conditioners. None of them are running and it's getting warm in here. We're going to be in trouble in three minutes. I'm already in trouble up here. You'll be in trouble soon. Differences are to complete, not compete. So when people are different from you, look at them and just say, what, what is the difference that God put in them, the gift, the grace, the faith that God put in them that might actually complement and add to what God's told me to do? You guys still here? Second thing, we're to change the world through our understanding and appreciation of his God-given delegated authority over our, I did it my way, autonomy. I, I, I'm, a, I'm grateful for the hero. I'm grateful for the pioneer. I'm grateful for the entrepreneur. I'm grateful for the innovator. But let me tell you something, guys. At some point, somebody's got to be in charge. And God gives authority in government. Just curious how long the silence would last. It's about three seconds. Still no air conditioners, just saying, hit buttons or I'm going to freak out. <laughs> From authority, I'm telling you, turn on the air conditioners. <laughs> Starting to sweat, all right? Um, so our, our understanding and, our, and really our allegiance to, our loyalty to authority has to be greater than our desire for autonomy. Look what Paul says about this in Romans chapter 13. Is it let everyone, who, who's excluded from this? Like everyone. You know what the word everyone means in the Greek? It means turn on the air conditioners. So if you know how to turn the air conditioners and you're in this room, stand up, walk back, and turn on the air conditioners. I give you permission to get up from where you are right now and turn on air conditioners. Thank you. Let everyone be subject to Jim when he's sweating. I'm sorry. To the governing authorities. Now look at this. This next line is really incredible. For there is what? When you see a double negative or a double imperative, everyone and no one, he's making a point. Let everyone be subject, be submitted to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except that which God has established. God established it. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Now, did he say the same thing three times? Well, he literally says it three times, right? Consequently, whoever rebels against the authorities, rebelling against what God has is instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Now, let me just say this real quick. This doesn't mean that authority is always right. Come on, watch the news. This, this doesn't mean that authority is always right. And this doesn't mean that we have to agree with people when they're wrong. Matter of fact, can I point out that the person who wrote this was a criminal for believing and writing what he just believed. Like he says, there is no king but Jesus. Caesar is a, is a king under the king. He's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. So whatever you are, he's greater than you are. Amen? So he's literally breaking the law by saying anything that he's saying. But this is really the, the point of it. This is the funny part is, is how can he say submit to authority when he's obviously in rebellion? Hear me. Caesar was Paul's emperor, but Jesus was Paul's Lord. Come on, somebody say amen. So there's order through authority. Well, my husband, well, my boss, well, my pastor, well, my, my government, like I don't agree with it. I get that. Trust me. I get that. I don't agree with Dina's husband sometimes. I get that. But where there's a chance for chaos, God always creates order through delegating authority to people. And there's a way to accomplish things. And, and, and understand this. He's not starting a revolution. 
He, he's, not, he's not, I'm sorry, he's not starting a rebellion. He's actually creating a revolution of a kingdom that's coming to this earth. When we look at authority and where we, where we line up and who we have authority, who, who we serve that's in our downline and who we serve in their downline, please be respectful of this, guys. There's, like, we cannot be known as people that don't respect, like, like I'm, forgive me. Can I just say something without anybody getting mad at me and putting this on social media? Turn on the air conditioners. But the other thing, I must have blown a circuit or something. The other thing is that I am so sick of people in the streets covering their face and lifting their voice. I am so sick of the protests and people beating other people for their beliefs in the streets of my country. I'm so sick to death of the 24-7 coverage of a handful of people that should be thrown in jail and not put on primetime news. I'm so sick of it, right? But if you look at what, is, what has actually changed culture, it hasn't been the masked man throwing the egg in somebody else's face. What's changed culture is the person who serves what is wrong until they see that they're wrong. Mother Teresa, Gandhi, Nelson Mandela, Martin Luther King, Jesus Christ. You see what I'm saying? If we will be light and salt, light will pierce and separate darkness. We, we are not just angry people voting and protesting and calling into the show and, and slacktivists with our thumbs. We need to actually live this stuff, right? And we got to do it under the authority that God has established. You still here? Third thing is this. People are actually supposed to be more important to us than our own personal convictions. I'm glad you said amen because I, I, I feel like this is a little sandpaper here. You know what I mean? But if your revelation of your conviction is stronger than your revelation of your love for your neighbor, you will cost both your neighbor and Jesus' gospel. The most important things we are to do, as I understand them, is number one, love God. Number two, love. Number three, love to serve, I guess. That's ours anyway. But I see certainly the first two in Scripture. Jesus was the most important thing. Hey, man, love him. All your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. So Paul really lays this down thick in chapter 14. I took verse 1, verse 7, and verse 19. I kind of put them together with dots. You can see where they end. There's thoughts in between these. But this is a good kind of conglomerate of chapter 14. It says, except the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. How many of you guys know that's a now word? You know, I don't know, man. Those young people and their tattoos. Uh, I don't know. Those old people and their judgment. Uh... I saw a meme the other day. It really made me laugh. It's Jesus with his disciples. He says, now go and love everybody. And then a voice from the crowd says, even people with tattoos? And he says, yes, even people that ask stupid questions. <laughs> and, and maybe this is an issue. Maybe it's not. But let me say this. If I have a personal conviction about tattoos and that conviction separates me from a loving relationship from someone who Jesus saved, my conviction is stronger than the commandment Jesus has given me, and that's out of order. We, we need to see each other as more valuable, more precious, more important. And so someone whose faith is weak, I don't even know what that means. Does that, that mean they're, they're, they're vegetarians because they don't believe that God blessed all the, you know, the, the winged creature to be deep fried? I, I, don't, I don't know. You know what I mean? Does that, does that mean their faith is weak because they, they eat that and they're eating you know, the resources and Colonel Sanders rolled over in his grave? Right? You know what it mean? I, know, I don't really know. I just know this, that any conviction you have that separates fellowship that God has with another and that separates them from you, you're, you're wrong. You're just wrong. So I don't like the way they spend their money. Well, someday when you have that money, whether it's more or less, we'll see how you do. I don't like the way they dress. Well, turn your eyes, look into their eyes and not onto their body. Maybe it won't bother you so much. 
They'll get their soul instead of their hips, lips, and fingertips, and maybe this won't be an issue. It's not an issue in the Amazon. Just saying. Here's a piece of rope. What's that? That's what you're wearing to school today. Like, that's bad. But that's what they wear to school, you know? So, and I, I want you to notice this. Paul doesn't even describe what weak faith is. He just says, some of you have a conviction about eating meat that's been sacrificed to idols, and you won't eat it because you believe that the, the demonic idols have defiled it. And some of you, you know, it's like, I, I got a faith that doesn't mean Jesus is bigger than the idol, so let's, let's, you know, Chuck E. Cheese all day long. It's no big deal. But which one's right? He goes, it's a disputable matter. Whatever the issue is, if the Bible's not clear, like, don't murder, pretty clear, Right? The laws of God are there, but there's sometimes there's things we don't know. Like the, the Bible's going to tell me what kind of a woman I should marry, but it's not going to tell me which woman it is. So my choice of who I marry may be a controversial issue. Right? And, but if I'm to take a second wife and go polygamous, well, the Bible's pretty clear about that. You, you can judge that, but on disputable matters, there's issues here. So you guys doing okay? <laughs> Lastly, let's change the world through this. You... We, us, we have to be greater than our individual gifts. Well, my gift is this, and everybody has to, well, my gift is that. Well, I see the world this way. Well, my politics, well, my, I'm a prophet, I'm a teacher, I'm a pastor, I'm a servant, I'm a giver, I'm a, listen, whatever you is, you is. And, and you is with all the abundance that God gives you to be what you is. Right? Come on. We need to bless diversity. We're not homogenous. We're not skim milk. Bunch of just watered down white things. You're thinking what I'm thinking too, aren't you? Yeah. Right on. This is what he says about this in Romans 12. He goes, we have different gifts. And that, there's that word charisma again. These, these given things, different gifts. They're, they're not ours. They're entrusted to us. We, we might have been born with them, but it was God that gave them to us, right? According to the grace, and there's that word uh, charisma again, that joy, the empowerment. So we have different things given to us that, that give us joy and empowerment, and God gave them to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then, then rock on prophesy in accordance with your faith. Like, don't go beyond your faith and start saying things you don't believe are true. Like, like, but if it's in your heart and you can present it properly and you're not freaking people out, like, prophesy. Amen, right? And, and if your gift is, isn't that, it's serving. Isn't it interesting? Like, well, what's better, prophecy or serving? What's best is you work in your gift or your gifts. Like, I prophesy. I don't, I don't pick up chairs because I'm a prophet. Pick up chairs. Be a humble prophet, right? But serving, if you're gift, like some people can just serve. Dina can serve and serve and serve. I've been in bed two hours. Serve, serve, serve. And she comes to bed, lays down, gets up at 4.30 in the morning, goes to the gym, works out the one, the one hour of her day that's for her, and then she serves, serves. I'm going to tell you, that is not a natural gift. That's a supernatural gift. God gives her the grace, the charisse, uh, to do that, Right? And in accordance with your faith, serve. If it's teaching, then man, learn a lot and share with everybody. If it's encouraging, you go out there and just do Barnabas all day long. If it's giving, then let's go play golf and talk about how much you want to give. If it's, <laughs> if it's leading, do it diligently. Don't, don't quit because people don't follow sometimes. If it's to show mercy, don't go to those stupid people. I don't know why I'm here. Do it cheerfully. Those stupid people, I don't know why I'm here. <laughs> love must be what it appears to be. That's what the word sincere means. Love's got to really be love. It's got to be what... It, the word sincere, it's a compound word, and it means without wax. Love can't be waxy. Got it. have no idea what it means. So you look it up and you figure out what they're talking about is the, the people that made these marble columns back in the day. If 
they hit a flaw, if they, they mishit, if they whatever, they would take wax and they would rub it, and so it would match the, the marble. It was, just, it was just wax, though, and it looked perfect for the day of dedication. I took their bow, and if they really liked it, they actually inscribed their name on that pillar, on that column, because it was a piece of art. This Michelangelo did this or whatever. But if they didn't, they wouldn't put their name on it because they knew that in time, the heat of the summer, the dust blowing through, the elements where it was waxed, the dirt would gather. So you'd see this beautiful white and gray stone and then a big pile of just What's that from? Well, that's the imperfection. And he says this, love must be what it appears to be on the outside. It has to be on the inside. You can't say I love you and not love you. Like, love has to be sincere. Hate what is evil. Hold on to and don't let go of what's good. Be devoted to one another in this love. This is 1 Corinthians, patience, kindness, gentleness, right? And this, here's the last thing. It really holds it all together. Honor one another above yourselves. So last question. I mean, if, if all this is true, and I believe with all my heart it is, the whole, the whole beautiful gospel of being lost and being found by faith and being regenerated and being renewed and transformed, adopted, empowered, sent, commissioned. If, you know, if all this is true, then, then let me just ask you this. Like, are you living it? Are you glad to be saved? Do you like the songs? That, that's wonderful. But, like, are, are you actually giving it away? Are you actually engaged in, in being light and salt? Are you actually making a difference? And I will tell you this, and I'll say it again, I've already said it once, but there will be an eventual dissatisfaction with a Christianity that has only learned to behave itself because we were created to do more than just be nice people. We were created to be dangerous people. We were created, guys, I, I literally feel like that, that guy in the UPS commercial. I could go on for a day about what that means. But you were, you were created to sign up for one of the mission trips and go and sweat and sleep on the ground and get bad diarrhea. And, and lay a row of cinder blocks that's so crooked, it looks like it was brought to you by the letter S. And pour concrete on the ground with no mixer, just four guys with four shovels doing this and taking a step to the right. Literally, that's how we mixed it. We did an entire floor the size of this platform by just, and then we just spread it out and put another, mixed the, the powder, made a hole, put the water in, just started doing it. It was back-breaking, horrible. I was exhausted. The next couple of years, they went back to Ricardo Flores, did it again. A couple of years later, went back. We're doing like outreach and medical, and we're, we're, we're building the body of Christ. 62 different nations that are, that are in Rome this November. We're going to go to one place in Rome that has people from 62 different nations. Some of them were illegal to say the name of Jesus Christ. They're getting saved. They're getting baptized. They're getting filled with the Holy Spirit, and they're going backwards illegal. And we have an opportunity to minister to them this November. We're, we're heading off to Haiti. I don't know when, but like, let's just go today. Let's just rent one of these 747s, all get in there, land in Port-au-Prince, and sweat until we're dehydrated, and serve until we're exhausted, and give until we're broke, and we'll be better people for it. Or maybe it's volunteering in the youth, or maybe it's, it's being one of the leaders in the nursery, or maybe it's, maybe it's treating your employees better than you currently do. Maybe it's, maybe it's just making sure that your wife's soul is healed by the time her life ends on this earth so that you can present her as a primary work of your ministry in this world back to the Father. Maybe, maybe it's starting something, stopping something. I don't know. But let me just say this. If your journey has ended with going to church from time to time, enjoying the music, Jim wasn't very funny today, but that's okay. I'll try again next week when J.D.'s speaking your life really isn't evolving to be more and more like Jesus and less and less like you, then there will be, if there's not already, a deep dissatisfaction with Christianity.
when people say I'm not being fed, I, 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 and they don't say it very often, at least they don't say it to me, thank you for that. They email it anonymously and put two-star ratings on Google, which is wonderful. Doesn't bother me at all, you know. Um, generally what they're saying is not I'm not being fed. What they're really saying is I'm not being exercised. Because you can open the Bible and eat. You get on your knees and eat. You, you can listen to any sermon that quoted any scripture and eat. You can tune into any podcast, YouTube channel, TV set. You can Joyce Myers and learn how to do everyday life. You can Bill Johnson, learn how to, you know, bring heaven to earth. You can do Joel Osteen and just cheer up. Right? But maybe what's missing is not more words, but the exercise of the words you've received. So, will you? Can you, should you, faithfully serve the Lord and each other with the gifts that God's placed inside of you? Man, it's, I tried, but I, I went to the membership class. I, I filled out the paperwork and no one called me back. I, I went there, but they really didn't seem to need me. Okay, here, here I want to remember what I'm about to say. Your pastor, I love you. Ready? Here we go. <laughs> if you got to kick the door in, kick it in. If you got to start a ministry we don't have, start the ministry. If, if they're not calling you back, call them 27 times every minute until they return your phone call. Well, the staff's so busy, I don't bother them. No, no. As their boss, bother them. They should be bothered by you if they're wanting to be involved, if, if you want to be involved in that ministry. And I, I, no one's complaining about this. I haven't heard this, but I'm just saying, whatever it takes, let's not stand before the Lord 30 years from now, having wasted 30 years because someone didn't call us back 30 years ago. There's kids that need families, guys. There's people that are hungry, Bob and Jen, in our community. Not in all those people in Flint. No, no. In Fenton, 48430, people have to choose between medicine and food. There's people that just as we found out they were pregnant don't know what to do unless they hear that baby's heartbeat at the ultrasound machine down at the, the crisis uh, pregnancy center that's run out of center of hope. Decisions will be made that will be regrettable, if not murderous. You hear what I'm saying? Our young people need seven mature, caring adults in each of their lives. Statistics say that if a child has seven caring, you know, pastors and parents and coaches and teachers, that they're bulletproof for the issues that lead kids astray. We don't have seven to one ratio in our youth ministry right now. Well, you already got 20 of them. I mean, you got, you got 70 kids and 20 adults. No, no. If we got 70 kids, we need 490 adults in their life. I'm not saying that all got to be us. Because some of us would kill them, and that'd be bad. But man, they need, they need adults that care about them in their life. So I, I, I've been thinking about it. Don't think about it. Stop thinking. I don't feel lead. I got a big old hunk of lead sits on my desk. You want to feel it? I'll throw it right at your forehead. You'll feel lead. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Let's, let's have a revolution. Let's not sit back and watch the world go to hell in a handbasket on Fox News. Let's have a revolution. Let's, let's bring heaven to earth. Let's love some folks before we're too brainless to know how to love people anymore, right? Let's, let's serve some people until our arms are too weak to pick it up anymore. Let's, let's actually believe and fight and be what Paul was telling us all along. We're leading up to not just being good moral people, adopted, saved, going to heaven, yay, but while we're here on earth, let's fight a good fight. The last words we have Paul saying, 2 Timothy chapter 3, is this. I have fought the good fight. I have run the race. I finished it. And the last thing he says, and I have kept the faith. Now there's in store for me the crown which the righteous judge shall award to all of those who 
have done just that. I'm fighting for a crown. What distance running and boxing have in common, anybody know what it is? They both hurt. Keeping the faith, just like running, just like boxing, it hurts. But we got to live this. Stand your feet all over this room, I'll let you go. That's not true. Stand your feet all over this room, I'll close, and then I'll let you go. You guys doing all right? All right. I know some of you guys have things to do. Altar workers, would you come forward? Um, 30 seconds. Let me just say this, and we're not going to bow our heads, and we're not going to close our eyes today. I just, I feel like it's one of those things, like, let it be known from this day forward is what I'm going to ask you for. How many guys, I'm not saying you need to volunteer for the nursery. I'm not saying you're not supposed to. I'm just saying you recognize that your faith has led to a morality that's unsatisfying. It's so unsatisfying, in fact, you're more tempted to go back to immorality because you found morality to be unsatisfying. One of the, one of the scourges, one of the curses of the Western Christian church is morality is unsatisfying without danger. Behaving myself without having a place to be dangerous is unsatisfying. Being good without being great is unsatisfying. And you realize your heads aren't bowed, your eyes aren't closed, but your heart's open. And maybe the Holy Spirit's giving you a little nudge today. It's time. Not then, not someday. Now, God is, is dealing with your heart. And we've been through Romans chapters 1 through 12. But 13, 14, and 15 call us to do something with what the first 12 chapters told us we were, both good and bad. It's time. Let me see your hand if that's you. It's time. It's time. It's time. I expect this then, please. Maybe I should tell you this before you raised your hand and I know who you are. I expect you to get involved. And if that's at home, get involved. If that's in the world, get involved. If it's in the church, get involved. But take the gift, take the grace, the charisma and the charis, right? The grace and the gift and be. Because before the foundations of the world, before there was a you, there was a purpose for you. And being moral is not the end of that expression. It's not the end of your assignment. We're, we have a GPA in our faith like Pastor J.D. had in high school because he didn't do the homework. I don't think he did any of the work. Now that I think about it, I just didn't do okay on tests, Right? So I'm here to tell you this. You got a gift. You got a grace. God gave it to you. He expects a return. So Father, I pray for everyone who raised their hand today that recognizes today it's, it's time to make a fresh commitment, God. Not, not a commitment to you. We've done that. Not a commitment to salvation. We're saved. Not a, not a, not a begging for more. We, we haven't used what we've had. And that's what, we're, that's what we're repenting of right now, God. We haven't used what you've given us. We haven't planted seeds you placed in our hands. We turned them into bread and we ate them and they were gone. We need exercise. We need to exercise the faith and the grace that you place in our life. Nothing will ever satisfy a hammer unless it drives a nail. Nothing will ever satisfy a prophet until they prophesy. Nothing will ever satisfy a teacher until they teach. Nothing will ever satisfy a mother until you give them a child. Nothing will ever satisfy a boss until they have a business, God. Nothing will ever satisfy. Nothing will ever satisfy until we're free, being who you created us to be, giving ourselves away for the glory and honor of your name. So whatever stands between us and that, remove it, push us towards it, and win. As we lose the wrestling match in our heart, may you win for the kingdom. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Listen, before you go, next week, teachers, you got you to gotta be here. It's important. We're going to start a brand new series the week after, the holiday weekend. So all 12 of us that will be here are going to really enjoy that kickoff of that, that series. Um, if you need prayer for anything, anything, the people up here I trust. I really do. 
trust them all. Many of them deacons, mentors, tormentors of mine. And uh, they're not here because they're weird spiritual people. They're here because I trust them and the maturity that God's placed inside of them. So if you need prayer, trust these people. And if you got to go, the kids are waiting for you. Is there a guest thing today? I believe there is. There is? Okay. So back in the, it says guest room back there. If you're new to the church, like, hey, just want to stop in, let, make myself be known as a new person. I raise my hand. I'm going to get involved. Like, and you've been here for nine years? Stop. All right? God bless you guys. You're dismissed. We'll see you again real soon. You're awesome. Live long and prosper.